This week on The Rail Splitter, the Abraham Lincoln Podcast, we're talking about the Battle of Lookout Mountain and a little bit about the battles around Chattanooga, Tennessee. Welcome to the Rail Splitter Podcast. My name is Rail Splitter Jeremy. With me this evening are Rail Splitter Mary. Hey, Rail Splitters. What's up? And Rail Splitter Nick. What up, Rail Split Nash? As you're listening to our show, as you're buttering up that turkey and stuffing it. So, you know what? Just put the phone in your pocket and continue prepping your Thanksgiving meal because we're going to give you some spicy knowledge. <laughs> are they getting wow. ready for Thanksgiving a week early? Uh, no, it's a week from today. It is. We're recording this on Thursday, and it's a week from today. It's it the is. latest. Most oh, people don't listen to this when it drops initially, so they're probably yeah. finally got some free time they to are. listen to. You know, a big little scramble here, and you know, I guarantee they're putting it in their pocket right now. David right. Kent, yeah, and you go for it. Thank <laughs> you, appreciate it. Hopefully, you enjoy the Lincoln uh, Symposium. That's what we call a transition in the game. Nice. Yeah, so we will, uh, yeah, we're going to talk about the Abraham Lincoln uh, Symposium that just happened in a second. Um, of course, we wanted to wish everyone who is listening a happy Thanksgiving for, you know, the upcoming Thanksgiving week, um, It's which, of course, is has a little bit of a connection to Abraham Lincoln. November, I think, is always a fun month for Lincoln heads like us because you've got the anniversary of the Gettysburg Address on November 19th. I think Veterans Day, of course, uh, you know, we want to think about Civil War folks and the sacrifices that they made for us. Um, and then, of course, there's Thanksgiving, which uh, Abraham Lincoln had a huge role in establishing as a national holiday. Um, so, you know, I, we hope you're enjoying your November and your calm before the holiday storm, uh, especially with this year's late, late Thanksgiving. It's going to be pretty hectic between uh the american thanksgiving anyway and uh the december holiday season so. it is really late this year because i'm gonna be spending american thanksgiving with my friends in ohio and like it was a year ago at this time i was spending it with them and i'm like wow mm -hmm. this is really late yep it's as late as it can be because yeah. um, it's on the third thursday right and yep. uh because the first of november was a friday it's the latest thanksgiving you can be so um at any rate um we're glad to have you we're hoping to have some really great content as we approach the holidays as well um but this week uh we will be talking about some battles a little bit more of a civil war centered episode but first let's talk a little bit about the lincoln symposium and mary i know you were following along as were many of us on social media um uh, because unfortunately the rail splitter budget would not support sending the three of us to the symposium and as cub fans have been conditioned to say maybe next year but mary Same did with follow Indians along. fans too <laughs> and possibly cleveland fans too. yes <laughs> we'll take uh press passes for the 2020th yes so we will. just contact us at what's the email the rail splitter the rail splitter podcast at gmail.com yes um, so anyway, the this year was the 24th annual Lincoln Symposium Forum Symposium. So next year will be the 25th. 
Um, I think it's the same time every year. So November 16th to 18th. So next year, because 2020 is a leap year, it's going to be Monday to Wednesday. Um, but anyway, they always have an amazing, um, like just what they do is I was reading over, you know, the itinerary for it and just wishing I was there. Um, George Buss, who he portrays Abraham Lincoln, and he delivers the Gettysburg Address. I got to see him do it last year, and he's amazing at it. He did it again this year. He's there um, at the the forum. And this year they had, um, so Dr. Peter Carmichael was there talking, and he teaches at Gettysburg College. He's written a very good book called uh, The War for the Common Soldier, which I highly recommend checking out. Um, and there's other Lincoln scholars there, too. Harold Holzer is, is there. Um, and they actually this year they discussed uh confederate monuments and they posted a photo of the lineup to ask questions and it was really long and that's when i was really wishing i was there i'm like oh, i want to see what these people are asking and discussing and that panel was gary gallagher edna green medford elizabeth farron and harold hoser was the moderator for that some heavy hitters yeah there, that sure. was i was like oh wow i gotta get to this um, and then at eight o'clock on Sunday night, November 17th, Cindy Blumenthal, um, he gave a talk, a house divided how Lincoln emerged out of the whirlwind to become a president. And I think that might be in connection to his latest book. I believe he was also the keynote speaker at the dedication day this past, um, it would have been two, yeah, Tuesday, Wednesday, November 19th. Yeah. Tuesday. Um, but yeah, they have, and they also do battlefield tours as well. Um, well, you, if you attend the symposium, and there's breakout sessions that you can go to. So different sessions, like you know, whatever your interests are, they usually have two or three going on at a time. So it's a really great place to connect with fellow Lincoln people. I had, um, I was able to get there last year briefly to meet with my friends Melissa and Dana. Um, they invited myself and my other friend who were in Gettysburg at the time, and we got to go and meet a few people. And I was sort of intimidated walking into it. But then once I got there, it's like anything in the Lincoln community. And Nick and Jeremy, you'll be able to relate to this being when we were in Springfield. It's so welcoming. And there's absolutely no reason to feel intimidated. Yeah, and I find myself kind of feeling inclined to be intimidated in mm -hmm. settings like that just because, you know, I'm not a historian and um but man it was if it's anything like springfield it was super welcoming community so yeah that's exactly what that's what i thought when i was in springfield i thought wow this is just like when i was at the just briefly at the lincoln forum in gettysburg it's so welcoming and you just get together and you you talk about lincoln and everybody there it's like you know lincoln's spirit is floating among them because everybody is just it's welcoming there's no judgment nothing like it's that always nice i always say never intimidated always imitated <laughs> for all those imitation <laughs> abraham lincoln podcasts out yes. there we see we see hey. you yeah exactly <laughs> yes we're not intimidated no we're kind of honored to be uh you know that you're uh can't even think of the other word now imitate, imitate imitating yeah. us yeah thank you yeah sorry <laughs> so if you want a chance to attend the lincoln uh forum symposium in 2020 I would recommend registering to be a member of the Lincoln Forum. And you can do that by going to their website and the address is thelincolnforum.org and then the instructions on how to become a member on, are on there. I don't think they have any 
information about the 2021 yet, but it'll probably be on there soon. So just stay tuned for that. But they are a really great group. They're a really great resource. And um, they're a lot of familiar faces there. If you're part of the Lincoln community, you will notice a lot of familiar faces. Do we know the dollar amount to go to the symposium? I think it's around 350 I'm not Arch, sure. I Arch could Navin. be underestimating. I could be overestimating. I'm not sure. I had someone ask, someone say to me, I think it's 600. We need to save a lot of money for that. <laughs> yeah. I don't plus, think it's that much. I think it's like, I I want to think it's around 350 plus then you have to pay for your accommodations. It's held at a hotel just outside of Gettysburg. Like I said, press passes. We'll be more than happy to come doing coverage for you. We'll just call it even. <laughs> Yeah, no, I agree. Um, and they, that one is different because, like the the Abraham Lincoln Presenters Conference, which Nick and I went to, that travels. It goes to a different city every mm-hmm. year, um, but this one, the Lincoln Symposium, is always in Gettysburg. So. Yeah, and and last year it it corresponded with Remembrance Weekend. With Remembrance Weekend is late this year too. Remembrance Weekend is this weekend in Gettysburg, and that's yeah, when, that's when they have it, like all the reenactors there and yeah, and it being. Um, you know, around the anniversary of the Gettysburg Address itself, it's probably a pop, fairly popular weekend to be in Gettysburg mm-hmm. anyway. Yeah. So, um, but anyway, yeah. So that's good to to hear about, and, and I would definitely recommend really any number of social media accounts in the Lincoln community. Mm-hmm. Um, I know David Kent was there, and he had some good tweets. Yeah. I believe uh, Dr. Pete, who was on our last yeah. show, Tom mm-hmm. was was there. He had some nice tweets uh, or Facebook posts, mostly. I think um, I enjoy. His posts, because you know he's he had his son with him, and I, I don't know why. I just think that's kind of cool to it see is. see a dad in his in his in the next generation. Although I, you know, I think his son is is our generation. I no offense, so. Tom. Not trying to <laughs> not trying to be ageist here, but um, there was a know. couple little girls there this year, though they would have been around. One looked around seven, the other looked around five, and one took a picture with George Buss, and she was dressed up like Lincoln, and it was just. I'm like wow that's really awesome that her parents brought her that like brought both of those girls to that they looked like sisters and it was really awesome to see that yep i know exactly uh the photo you're talking about and yep. i was moved by it as well yep. so i thought that was super cool so yeah so um yeah hopefully we'll get some media passes next year and uh the ability to get away from work at a fairly inconvenient <laughs> time for a lot of folks but uh yeah it'd be kind of cool so well, if it works out for me i'm planning on i am planning on being there so so rail splitters will be uh in attendance at least one there hopefully will be one rail splitter in attendance at the mm-hmm. lincoln forum symposium next year so yeah we'll uh we can definitely we'll plan quite a lot of content around that so in about 50-ish episodes yes. be prepared for some <laughs> some great lincoln symposium content so uh, today's episode, though, we're going to talk uh, about a little bit more of a Civil War-centered episode, looking at the battles uh, essentially in and around Chattanooga, Tennessee. So um, I was just looking through my photos on my phone, and I was at the I was at Lookout Mountain on November 10th last year. So it's been just about a year. And uh, as I was driving into work this morning, I was thinking about just kind of the show this week and how, like, every time we mention a battlefield, we were like, oh, you, you got to go. It's different than the other battlefields, and this is why. And then I've realized that we never really 
there's you know the only qualification we get for battlefield is that you need to go to it but but that is one i i'll say just like i said for vicksburg and gettysburg is you know you really need to go to it to kind of get a real feel for the battle because it's i as far as anywhere i've been it's very unique because um you know i feel like you go to some battle fields and the high ground is like you know that little that little bluff or something mm-hmm. off in the distance but the you know when you're at lookout mountain it's you know quite literally a mountain in the high ground it's like holy cow how would anybody ever um why would anybody ever think to try to take this position you know they, i think the high ground here is going to be pretty pretty solid but you know there was a battle there and um just from my perspective it's one of the, the few places where like you can see how everything unfolded but it's still kind of like how the heck did this happen it's like just because of the terrain um but it's also a very beautiful beautiful mm-hmm. place um in the in the state of tennessee i think is a cool place too um just just being in nashville knoxville and chattanooga is very very cool places uh, but this being a civil war episode i'm sure many people in rail split nation have guessed which one of the three rail splitters did the bulk of the research and will handle the bulk of the content and it is certainly not me uh, <laughs> I thank you i appreciate it um i have done a lot of research i read mary's notes for the episode and i think i well prepared yeah, that's yeah, that's you know. Some people have Wikipedia, some people have books. Like we have Mary's notes, and uh, I'll argue <laughs> that they're better than all of that. So, uh, but anyway, so I'll turn it over uh, to Mary, who did a bulk of the research uh, on this Civil War centered episode, and she will talk to us about uh, these very important battles in uh, Southern Tennessee. Okay, so we're going to begin with the lead up to these battles because that is almost just as important as the battles themselves because there's been a lot of stuff happening. So it is now, when this episode drops, it will be November the 22nd. We are two months past when we did our episodes for the battles of of Chickamauga. So that's how long the Union Army and the Confederate Army have been staring at each other. That's basically what they've been doing. They have been under a siege for two months. And so the result of the Battle of Chickamauga, just to recap, it is a Union defeat, but Bragg does nothing after that. And there's a variety of reasons for that. In the days following the battle, he's got reconnaissance missions happening. Um, you know, he's Forrest is on one of them, and Forrest is reporting that... You know, he sees these trains leaving uh, Chattanooga, so he's reporting back, oh, they're leaving, they're retreating, but Bragg doesn't believe that intelligence, and there's other intelligence coming in, too, that is contrary to what Forrest is saying, so Bragg really just, he kind of sits for a few days, and after that, there's nothing else he can do. He basically had three options to him. He could have outflanked Rosecrans by crossing the Tennessee, either below or above the city, but this was deemed not possible because of low supply of ammunition. He has no pontoons for crossing the river. And Longstreet, surprisingly, had arrived from Virginia without wagons. Because his, I think his troops all came via train. Um, he could have assaulted the Union forces directly in their fortifications, which ironically had been built by the Confederates a few months prior when they occupied Chattanooga. Um, but this was too costly against a well-fortified army. So Bragg's only option is a siege. So he puts the Union Army to siege. And not only is the Union Army starving, but so is Bragg's. They're both not in really great shape for these two months. 
Um, so Bragg and his Army of the Tennessee has established themselves along Lookout Mountain and Mich- Missionary Ridge, so their line extends quite a few miles. And um, another other reason for the offense for like. Hey, could- Yep, go ahead, I Nick. have not been there, and I'm assuming many of our listeners haven't. Yep. Paint a picture of Lookout Mountain, Mountain, if you guys could. Like, what are we looking at? I know we hear how big it is, but is there a way to kind of give us a visual? So Lookout Mountain, if you're standing in Chattanooga, you can see it right from downtown Chattanooga, and it's just like you can see it, and it just kind of is there. It stands, I've got the statistics for it here um it is um 1100 feet above chattanooga yeah and you know as i um remember kind of driving because i was coming from chickamauga because i had done that i did a, a race um a half marathon through chickamauga and then i was on my way back um, and you can see it, you know, it's, it's, and it's not, I mean, it's hilly, it's in a hilly part of Tennessee, mm-hmm. but it's not like in the mountains. It's not, you're not in the smoky mountains mm-hmm. like you are when you're in, you know, smoky mountain national park. So like it looks out of place. Like it doesn't, it, you know, it's, it's a, it's much, much higher in elevation than anything around it. Probably that's where it got its name. Um, so like, um, in the way that it's situated with the city, along the Tennessee river, essentially right at the base of it, um, is, you know, important, I think too, because there's really not, there's not a whole lot of real estate between the Tennessee river. The city is of course, right on the river. And then lookout mountain is right there too. Um, so now like you've got a, you know, when you're on lookout mountain, it's beautiful views. You can see forever. Um, but not only that, because it's, kind of isolated or you know because of the not not isolated but because it's it looks like it's kind of almost like a solitary mountain like they had almost 360 degrees Mm -hmm. of of cannon you know cannons in place and artillery in place um so like you can kind of walk around and see all of the different angles and and it becomes even more impressive i think that that they were able to kind of that there was a battle there because you know they they were able to to really have our artillery almost all the way around the, this mountain mm-hmm. so um yeah it's really uh you know it's 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 unique it's it's tiny you know there's not like the the national park itself is like it's, it's so small, small. like it's yeah. There's a there's a visitor center which is almost as big the visitor center is kind of like across the street it's almost as big as what they have inside the fence for, you know, I mean, it's not very big. Um, and they do have some monuments, you know, I found the Illinois one, but they're, you know, pretty close together and they're kind of in the middle. Um, and then you kind of just walk out to, to, they have cannons still there where the artillery was set up and you can just kind of see, you know, what it would have kind of looked like to, to defend, to defend the mountain, you know? Um, and, and I think that the big, you know, of course the big strategic, benefit is not only chattanooga but the tennessee river mm-hmm. as well because it overlooks that um you know and if you've got if you've got artillery that's that's doing its job you can pretty well control the tennessee river along with chattanooga so um yeah it's it's certainly unique i, I don't know if i would comp- i don't know what other battle i would really compare it to um because it's you know 
that's just super high up below overlooking mm-hmm. this huge city. So yeah, there's there's nothing else, and like Missionary Ridge just kind of extends beyond that, and that's where the Confederates are. Is they're extending in this line, and they're basically sort of surrounding the city of Chattanooga and laying the Confe- or the Union Army to siege. And um, Chattanooga is really important because it's a vital railway hub. It's a manufacturing center. As Jeremy said, it's located on the Tennessee River. And if the Union can hold on to Chattanooga and drive Bragg away from there, that's going to open the way for the Union Army to get into Georgia. And that's really, really important for um, winning the Civil War, as we all know already. Does that answer your question, Nick? Yeah, perfectly. Thank you, guys. Um, So... The situation that's happening with the Union Army of the Cumberland, Rosecrans is very upset by the defeat that has happened to his army. And the way I liken it is he is like Hooker was at Chancellorsville. Now, Rosecrans is not concussed, but Rosecrans is so just been psychologically affected by the defeat at Chickamauga that he can't make a decision as to what can be done. Because remember, at Chickamauga, the whole army, well, not the whole army, but you know, he just, there was that breakthrough where there was that order given and the gap, and they just got rooted back to Chattanooga, and Thomas made his stand on Snodgrass Hill. Um, so Rosecrans hasn't been able to make a decision at all. And Lincoln says of Rosecrans, he's confused and stunned like a duck het on the head. Knows how to paint a picture, doesn't he? Yep. That's basically what's happening. So Secretary of War Stanton actually travels to where Grant is. And um, what the War Department has done is they've created um, the Military Division of the Mississippi. And this happens in late September, early October. And this brings together all the territory from the Appalachian Mountains to the Mississippi River and much of the state of Arkansas for the first time. So when Stanton visits Grant, he gives him an option. He can either keep Rosecrans in place as the commander of the Army of the Cumberland, or he can give command to the Army of the Cumberland to General Thomas. And it is Grant's choice. So Grant actually doesn't like Thomas too much, unfortunately. But he detests Rosecrans even more. So he makes Thomas commander of the Army of the Cumberland and Rosecrans is gone. So he is now out of the battle for Chattanooga narrative. So the old uh, lesser of two evils and Grant's two evils is overstating it, but um, yeah, just trying to, which I think, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of Lincoln in that, you know, Mm -hmm. very often he had to pick like, all right, which of these people do I (laughs) dislike the least? Um, So yeah, that's kind of, kind of a little bit of a parallel there where, um, the, the union leadership was, you know, a little bit lacking or arguably lacking, mm-hmm. or at least from their perspective. So, yeah. And I mean, I don't, I don't agree with Grant for disliking Thomas. I think a lot of it was based on where Thomas was from. He was from Virginia. Yeah. So <laughs> there's, not, the, there's that. Not, and I mean, I know Grant thought he was slow and everything, but uh, Thomas is, He's proven himself, and he will prove himself at these battles for Chattanooga. Um, How could you go against the first rock? I know, right? The first rock. He is the first rock. (laughs) Yeah, Dwayne Johnson, man. Ripping them off. off. Exactly. 
Thomas's family should be suing him for oh, copyright no. infringement. Well, it's too bad Thomas's family disowned him. Oh, because oh. of the Virginia, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they turned his picture to the wall. They, yeah, not nice to him. Um, so not only is Grant coming down to Chattanooga to take control with this newly created um, d- military division in the Mississippi, but there's reinforcements coming from two different places. So there's some coming from the Army of the Potomac. General Hooker is uh, coming to Chattanooga with 15,000 men. And General Sherman is coming to Chattanooga with 20,000 men. Now, Hooker will get there um, a little bit before Sherman, and Sherman does not arrive until November the 14th because he gets held up by... um, There's been lack of rains, so his troops can't cross certain rivers that they need to cross and all that. Um, So that's the situation that the Union Army is in. So Grant is in charge for the battles for Chattanooga, and that's probably a good thing way better than rosecrans and we still have thomas in charge sherman is coming down and hooker is there to reinforce the situation in the army of tennessee is pure drama and um about 10 days after the battle chickamauga bragg removes two of his subordinates general Hindman and general leonidas polk he says they have not performed well at the battle but it's more likely that there was personality clashes because Bragg it's going to seem like I'm beating up on Bragg but he seemed to argue with everybody including himself if you know the stories about him Um, so things are going so badly that there is a petition signed by 12 of his generals to remove him from command and this results in a visit by president jefferson davis so president of the confederacy shows up and he attempts to do some team building which includes all of them sitting in the same room airing their grievances as to why they don't want bragg in command and then they all leave the room and davis basically is like no no bragg you can still lead this army i have faith in you i don't think that's the best uh Execution. I mean, like, it's all so, right, we're going to have everybody so bad you. team building. They're all going to rip you to shreds. I'm going to pull you in the room and go, yeah, go lead these guys, buddy. I, I don't know. But then one of the ones that signs it, like um, one of the generals that signs it, General Patrick Claiborne, he signs it because his troops are not getting enough food. Like it's out of just like this whole, we're sitting here doing nothing. My men are on one ear of corn a day for rations. I would like, love to know his rationale for why he kept him uh, kept him. I I think playing. they Bragg was about playing the personal game, I think. And it's yeah. just this drama. Yeah, I know. That's why he should got rid of him. Yeah, it's less less he didn't think he had anybody else who was competent enough. I guess. It, well, I mean, he had con- like I mean, Hardy was pretty good. Yeah. But he didn't bring him into it and he just he kept him in there and the thing i've said about it it seems like bragg is waging war against his commanders instead of waging war against the union army um but the one result of this is that bragg ends up letting more commanders go and that includes dh hill who is from gettysburg that's he came over after gettysburg and he was the one that was after the battle of chickamauga he didn't get his orders and was the reason that day uh, two started a little, or day three started a little bit later than what it should have 
And then Simon Buckner, who was probably the instigator behind the petition, gets let go. So the Army of Tennessee is like, it's not in great shape at all. They're having their own internal civil war. Very much. Um, So that's what's happening with the Army of Tennessee. So the siege lasts until about October 27th, um, when General Thomas, um, he launches a surprise amphibious landing at this place called Brown's Ferry. And that opens up what's called the Cracker Line. So supplies can start flowing back in for the Union Army. And Grant is there at this point. Um, So this opens up the Tennessee River and it links the Army of the Cumberland led by Thomas with General Hooker's 20,000 troops from the Army of the Potomac. And Bragg responds to this by ordering Longstreet to attack and force the Federals from Lookout Valley. And this results in the Battle of Wahatchee. I don't know if I'm saying that right or not. Um, And it's actually a night battle. So it's one of the few night battles that is fought during the Civil War. The Confederates end up being completely repulsed and the cracker line remains secure. And this means that supplies can get easily into Grant so they can feed their horses again. They can feed their men and they can start fortifying their army, which is a huge advantage against Bragg right now. Thank God for the cracker line. Yes. Get those saltines moving. Yep. (laughs) Hard tack. (laughs) And so right before the Battle of Lookout Mountain, um, Bragg has sent part of... Claiborne's division to reinforce Longstreet who has left and he's on his way to Knoxville to try and have a battle against General Burnside who's at Knoxville Um, so no sooner does Bragg issue this order than he recalls Claiborne's men back because there's a lot that's about to go down and this is because General Thomas again Thomas is coming into this he's just driven the Confederates from a place called Orchard Knob And this is where Bragg starts getting really concerned. And that's where we get into the battles for Chattanooga. And there are three separate, they're smaller battles. So we're not talking about something that is the scale of Chickamauga or Gettysburg or Fredericksburg. These are very small scale battles, but they're very important to securing this important city for the Union. So there's the Battle of Lookout Mountain, the Battle of Missionary Ridge, and the Battle of Ringgold Gap. Do you two have anything to add at all? So, and we're just to put it into context. So we're looking at like November of 1863. Where are they like in relation to one another? The battles, they're all within miles of each other. And they're all along the Tennessee river. Yep. They're all along the Tennessee river. Um, Ringgold gap would be the furthest one out, but they're all in the area surrounding Mm -hmm. Chattanooga. And they're all basically, each battle gets Bragg further and further away from Chattanooga and further into Georgia. So we will begin with the Battle of Lookout Mountain, which happens on November the 24th, 1863. It's also known as the Battle Above the Clouds. And that's because the weather that day was very foggy and you couldn't really see anything. And actually... I don't know if you noticed, if you saw this when you were there, Jeremy, but when I was in Chattanooga last year... Um, as um, my Jeremy and I were going for dinner um, we were parked in such a spot that I had a perfect view of Lookout Mountain and it was completely covered in fog yeah it's um, I don't it wasn't it was kind of I mean it was a 
beautiful fall day when I was there. So there wasn't really much fog. It was a little overcast by the time I got there. Um, but you can kind of, I mean, once you're up there, you definitely get a sense for like, you know, what, that it could easily be above like low, low hanging clouds mm-hmm. for sure. Um, but I think that that, um, you know, name the battle above the clouds kind of helped with the, the lore, I guess, of the battle or, mm-hmm. you know, kind of painting this picture of this, like, you know, kind of majestic setting and, um, you know, dramatic, you know, kind of adds to the drama of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of think that's cool. Like there's a lot of that kind of stuff in the civil war where, you know, we have, you know, names like this or nicknames or colloquialisms or however you want to say it that are kind of, I don't know if they romanticize war necessarily, but they definitely kind of add to the, to the mythology or the, uh, you know, I don't know if that's the right word either, but like just kind of like the stature of a lot of these things as, as, um, you know, and kind of as they are carved into the, to the American memory. I just think that, 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 that one in particular battle above the clouds is one of the, one of the coolest one examples of that. Yeah. Yeah. And when I saw it, it was like, you could see the very top of lookout mountain, but then part of it was shrouded in clouds. And that's when I thought like, Oh, that is like, and I took a photo of it and hopefully I remember it. I will tweet it out tomorrow after this episode gets posted. Um, so the terrain of lookout mountain for those of us that have been there jeremy you'll be familiar with this it's very rugged mm-hmm. it's not ideal for fighting a battle it's tangled woods rocky hillside and this easily broke up the formations and separated units and the mountain itself is a long ridge and it extends about 100 miles so the southern end begins in alabama and it runs northeast until its northern peak towers over the tennessee river and this is where Confederate General Stevenson and his troops are in defense of Lookout Mountain. And so Lookout Mountain is uh, 1,850 feet above sea level and 1,100 feet above Chattanooga. And higher up you go, the steeper the slopes get until it becomes vertical rock walls. So it's very, like, it's hard to imagine a battle even happening there. So the, it really is. Like, yeah. I mean, and that's no joke. Like a verdict. Like I was looking at it thinking, this is dangerous to climb when you're not wearing Civil War era gear yep. in a battle. You know, like I, I, I would just be like, you know, it's. I mean, it is like I. You know, I mean, it may sound like we're um, speaking hyperbolically, but I don't. But we're not. Like it's, it's legitimately a like a mountain climb so yeah and we're worse we're you we're you and i like where you stood when you were there and where i stood when i was there looking over the tennessee river the union army was actually coming up would have been coming up behind us on the slope but the slope mm-hmm. was still just as like i drove up that mountain like on the road up to it it was like how would an army even get up here and it was just like I can't. How the hell do you lose that? How do you lose that ground? You just do. <laughs> you lose it, Nick, because Braxton Bragg is in charge. <laughs> For me, that's what I keep thinking. It's just like the way you guys it, describing it. If honestly, you guys are like, over exaggerating. Like, how do you lose it? That's the exact thought. Like, I mean, I was that, just thinking, like, how do you decide to attack this position? Yeah, that too. Well, like, that's because first. you're you're General Hooker, and you have that kind of like go do it and his men just went and did it i i do i do think the one thing about it is there's not it's not very big no so there so like there so the line wasn't 
like the you know i mean it's a mountain so it's wide at the base right so like you could you know i could see the ability to have uh, you know a, a bigger force like there's just there's only so many people that can be at the front yeah defending the position so you're you know you definitely are limited in your ability to defend it um so like you know i don't think that you know i mean it has its advantages because you can defend it with few troops but then the disadvantage of like you know if if the advancing line gets close enough you don't really have you've got a tiny line and they can kind of keep throwing some waves at you i guess yeah and keep keep in mind too the confederates might not be as well fed as what the union army is there's a whole bunch of different factors playing into it Um, yeah but still i mean it's almost a one-to-one ratio yeah i mean just a one-to-one ratio on this level ground gave you a huge advantage in on the defensive so and right but i don't know how many of those were actually you know yeah on the the front you know Mm -hmm. yeah and so grant is the overall commander but the troops at the battle lookout mountain are going to be led by general joseph hooker originally he just has two division or two corps with him or no be two divisions with him and, sorry and real real quick uh mary so grant kind of this is new for him right like yep. he's kind of coming in from the i mean this is like a transitionary period for grant yep. where he's coming off of the vicksburg campaign mm-hmm. new to this area of the war not going to spend much time here so i think that this is one bringing Lincoln into the conversation, one interesting, um, I guess, part of Grant's career and his mm-hmm. rise to become, you know, general of the, of the army and, you know, uh, the four star general and everything, um, because it was, you know, the fact that there were victories here, even though they weren't huge Chickamauga scale battles kind of helped feed that, that, um, the lore around Grant Absolutely. Coming, from, coming from Vicksburg. But, you know, as I was um, reading uh, Ronald White's biography of Grant, um, I got you know he he very he really emphasizes how these particular battles were, you know, Grant was kind of rushed in, mm-hmm. you know, at least in the timing of Civil War, you know, campaigns, um, oversaw the operations, and then you know fairly shortly thereafter was kind of quickly taken taken out east yep. um and and his you know one of his little theses in you know in the within the context of his greater biography was that um that that was just like a very um important it's important to understand kind of how that sequence of events happened um as far as the the image or the reputation that grant developed quickly from you know from vicksburg through that tennessee campaign you know it was a pretty pretty meteoric rise at that particular point oh like for sure to come in here and to take command of like a newly created department and so he is now above people that are technically you know they do technically like thomas i think technically outranked grant and grant is now his superior and Grant's having to come in, be in a situation that he's not sure what has been going on. So I do give kudos to him for that. Like he's coming into this basically like this is a new thing. It's a newly created department that he's now in charge of. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and that's and I, he's kind of I think also getting a taste of it too because yeah. um, there's there's 
new things for him where like he's got to visit Washington and you know like attend dinners and stuff like so you know around this time where you know he's like riding trains all over the place you know not only is he do- doing the important war work but um you know Lincoln wants to meet him and mm-hmm. you know it's 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 you know you kind of see that side of of Grant's rise too and his real reluctance to do that kind of thing yeah. that to me is really interesting looking at his development as a leader and as a person, because of course he ends up becoming the president of the United States. So that, that kind of stuff, um, I think because it is a little bit against his personality or, you know, what, you know, what he would normally be comfortable in, uh, probably made him better at that kind of stuff. Um, and of course it grew on him and he ended up being a politician, but yep. by you know profession. So, so, and Grant is going to be the overall commander at the battle of lookout mountain but the troops are led by Joseph Hooker. So he starts off um, with uh, two divisions. He's got General Greary and General Cruft, but then General Osterhaus joins him quite accidentally. So that means that Hooker is going into this with a force of 10,000. And Osterhaus was originally supposed to be helping Sherman, and we will probably get to that in our next episode as to why Osterhaus is not there. Um, But he's actually stranded on the wrong side of the Tennessee River, because the pontoon bridge he was supposed to cross to help Sherman take Missionary Ridge got swept away. Um, But this worked in Hooker's favor, and Grant decides that Osterhaus can help Hooker instead. And the Confederates are commanded by Braxton Bragg, as we know, but the commander at Lookout Mountain is uh, General Carter L. Stevenson, and there are 8,726 Confederates defending Lookout Mountain. So it's pretty close. Mm -hmm. who's fighting against each other at this battle. So Grant's original plan on this day was that Sherman would take the north end of Missionary Ridge and Thomas would be in the center and Hooker is to capture Lookout Mountain and move across Chattanooga Valley and cut off the Confederate retreat. But Grant ends up withdrawing his support for a major attack by Hooker and he just wants Sherman to do, do the major attack and he just wants Hooker to basically created diversion and this does not happen and that's because Sherman actually ends up in the wrong place and that's kind of foreshadowing for what we're going to talk about in part two of this which Sherman actually there's a little bit of a blunder that happens and because of that blunder Grant eventually authorizes a more serious effort by Hooker but also because he feels that 10,000 men are a little bit too much to create a diversion. So Grant tells Hooker, take the point only if his demonstration should develop it practicably. So Hooker somewhat ignores this order, and at 3 a.m. on November the 24th, he orders Geary to cross Lookout Creek and to assault Lookout Mountain, marching down the valley and sweeping every rebel from it. I like that. I like that wording. Yeah, so he's, Hooker is basically looking at the situation, and this is one of the things that like I've come to respect about Hooker. He He's not so great when he's commanding an entire army, but when he's in the position he is at Lookout Mountain, he has the confidence that he needs to get done what needs to be done, and in this case, he does it. And he does not attack the mountain head-on, but instead he ends up going along the slope and the fog that day is screening the movements of Geary's men. And they actually can't 
attack until 8.30 um, because of high water. So it's not until 8.30 a.m. that they actually start attacking. But if um, if any of you go and look at a map, like a battle map for the Battle of Lookout Mountain, you'll see that they're kind of attacking. Like if you were looking out from Lookout Mountain over the Tennessee River, they're going to be coming up behind you. And that's where they attack. Um, but Hooker's also set up a very impressive artillery as well. He's got nine batteries near the mouth of Lookout Creek. He's got two on Moccasin Point and he's got two near Chattanooga Creek. So he's got a ton of artillery that are just going to drive the Confederates from Lookout Mountain. And he strikes at the Confederate left and they are quickly driven back. And he is approaching from two directions. And at a place called Craven's House, the Union does get held, held up but they quickly push back the rebels. And there is, at one o'clock, there is a counterattack by Confederate General John C. Moore, but he gets outflanked and he ends up retreating through the thick fog. And by two o'clock, the Battle of Lookout Mountain is over and Hooker has that ground. And at sunset, he sends a message to Grant. In all probability, the enemy will evacuate tonight. His line of retreat is seriously threatened by my troops. I like that wording too. Yeah, that's the that's the general hooker that like I learned about when I was researching for our episodes that that we did about him. Um, so, what's the book by Jeff uh, Shara that talks about this? Uh, it's the Smoke at Dawn, and I would highly recommend yeah. every. I enjoy read this that. part of the book talking about the Battle of Lookout Mountain. Yeah, like isn't that and from kind of like Grant just sitting back there and watching it all kind of happen? Oh yeah, and Charles Dane is like, "What's that happening? Those look like yeah. fireflies." Yeah, that um yeah, the smoke at dawn if um any of our listeners are looking at some good historical fiction to read about this battle and the um the battle of Missionary Ridge, the smoke at dawn by Jeff Shara. Definitely one to check out. Yep, very good. Yep, so um obviously the battle of Lookout Mountain ends in a Union victory. Bragg holds a council of war that night and they withdraw from Lookout Mountain to Missionary Ridge. And that means Hooker's men are going to be able to assist with the Battle of Missionary Ridge on the November 25th. And on the morning of the 25th, the U.S. flag is flying on top of Lookout Mountain. All right. I, I like I like the... Uh, no, I like your wording on that. The, with the <laughs> American flag on the top of Lookout Mountain, where it is still flying. Well, yep. It's flying now, too. So... Um, is that a good spot to kind of to stop, Mary, to transition on the next episode to the rest of the story? Um, I think just discussing like the casualties for for Lookout Mountain. There was only like these; they're relatively low casualties. So there's just 408 Union only, but 408 Union lose their life. Um, 1,250 con- 51 Confederates lose their lives on. At this battle, there's an eclipse of the moon that night, which screened the Confederate retreat. Um, the one thing to mention about this battle, too, is there is some downplaying of it. Um, unfortunately, the downplaying of it is by General Grant, and he says that he dismisses it as pure romance. But there's a really good book about it called The Battle Above the Clouds by uh, David Powell. And I really recommend our listeners checking that out because it completely changed my opinion 
of this battle, like, and how important it was in the battles for Chattanooga and securing Chattanooga for the Union. And the reason this battle is important is because it secures control of the Tennessee River. He's helping secure the railroad for Chattanooga. And he's breaking, Hooker's breaking the Confederate line, driving driving them to Missionary Ridge. And like that, like it's just one of those things that helps secure the city for the Union. Um, Hooker actually commissions a painting, which is very much a general Hooker thing to do, I think. <laughs> um, it's on display at the Visitor Center at Lookout Mountain. It's a really cool painting, but do not reach over the line to point at anything because an alarm will go off. As my oh. husband learned when he was trying to point to a horse and said, look at that horse, it looks funny, and an alarm went off. <laughs> no respect for the painting. I know. Jer has no respect He does for not. It. No, he doesn't at all. Um, all right, so are we going to transition then into our weekly yep. features? We um, are. Yep. If uh, the two of you are okay with it, I was. Uh, I have a This Week in Lincoln. Yep. Um, that's a little bit unique, and I'll try to get it on uh, Twitter and Instagram. Uh, but I was gifted, uh, maybe two or three days ago, um, a picture of Abraham Lincoln. Uh, my daughter is in kindergarten, and she came home and handed me a drawing that she did at school uh, of Abraham Lincoln. And um, she's six, so the words Abraham and Lincoln are difficult for her to write. So. She knew the first and last letters of his first and last name, so it says A M L N, um, and has a you know very cool drawing of Abraham Lincoln. Aww. So nice yeah. work, yeah, it's pretty awesome. That's so awesome. yeah, gotta, she uh, framed that for the office. I know. I am absolutely gonna put that in the office. Um, but she uh, is very much into um, noticing where an Abraham Lincoln is on TV or is she actually she's she should actually be our this week in Lincoln scout because like we'll just you know be watching TV or whatever commercial come on and she'll just be like that was Abraham Lincoln like oh yeah wow I didn't even, yeah okay yeah you're right he showed up wherever you know um because she knows I you know I'm a fan obviously so and she is too so um that's what I got for this week in Lincoln uh and then of course our next feature is of the people by the people in which we talk about um social media posts that uh, resonated with us um, real quickly. The one thing that I, um, uh, I will just point out the Abraham Lincoln uh, presidential library and museum is a great follow on any social media, um, whether or not you're um, able to, to visit the museum on a frequent basis or not, but they do have the Gettys, their copy of the Gettysburg address out right now. Uh, they tweeted about it in a couple photos. So uh, the reason I, well, I'm i going down there uh, on Tuesday, so I will take a look at the Gettysburg Address written in Lincoln's own hand on Wednesday. Um, the reason I'm really excited to do that is because I was just thinking about the photo of the current president's uh, speech notes written in a Sharpie yeah. compared to, to <laughs> President President Lincoln's speech notes, which I will see. Um, and maybe I'll put a side by side photo together just to be a smart ass, but, um, but anyway, it's, you know, obviously a different time and everything else, but, uh, I think, I think president Lincoln's notes are going to look a little different. So that was, that was, that was my post. Uh, thank you again to the Abraham Lincoln presidential library museum for just existing and also for having a good social media presence. 
We got a uh, new rating. Ooh. November 13, 2019 from SCS Dubs fan. That's actually W. SCSW fan. It's a three out of five. I enjoy the podcast, but they spend too much time in the beginning of each episode doing idle chit-chat, which I skip, skip through to get to the real content. I want to hear the content. They could chit-chat on their own time. What would be ironic if he skipped through the end chit-chat and missed his review or her review? <laughs> I want to know. Uh, like, I, 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 just, I appreciate the review. And I'll be 100% honest. There are, I listen to some podcasts that do the same thing, and I skip it, too. So yeah. don't worry. If you skip our chit-chat, that does not bother us. Yeah. But, like, whose time do you think we're doing this podcast on? This, you know, like, this is our time. Like, I don't know. They're like, oh, you can chit-chat on your own time. Like, it's, it's I thought that's 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 all we got. That's all my time is. The, that's all the time I got. This is what I do with my time. Well, anyway, technically, you, this is the only time three of us get to hang out together is when we yeah, record yeah, the podcast. Exactly. So it's kind of like, oh, we haven't seen each other in a couple of weeks. Well, so. there's always that like feeling that because we do a little. I mean, obviously, we talk. Yeah, and we've got a group chat. Too, oh yeah, but like, there's always that feeling like, what if one of us says something really funny or really insightful about Lincoln when we're like just kind of getting the show ready to go? Yeah. Like that would be I was because you can't it always it always it's always stupid when you try to recreate like oh you should say that on the show and you then you say that it again. and it's like ah you know it sounded way better the first time it really isn't even that interesting this time yeah um so we do try to record fairly quickly into our conversations because I this whole it's kind of a talk show style podcast yeah. so until we are getting paid and making a living off of pad- podcasting it is our time man we're kind of being rude. No, I appreciate it. Uh, no. Don't take that as rude. I, I apologize don't. if I came across. No, thank it's good review. to know. It's good to know. Yeah, and thank I would you for say, the review. Appreciate it. And don't worry about know, skipping that. It doesn't bother. You know, it's cool. I'm a huge fan of giving five stars and then ripping us. <laughs> that you're not what? kidding. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm, just, I, I'm not. I'm all actually no. I don't. All of a sudden, five. we get all I, these five star reviews, and they're really shitty. And we they're from these anonymous accounts, and we will assume that they're Nick. Yeah, yeah. Well, if we don't. A lot of people will. First of all, all I was trying to do is just say, just give us a five star, rip us, and then our rating <laughs> says. Although I like the four and a half, but yeah, I've that many times. No, thank you for the review. Yeah. We appreciate yes. it. Yes. We appreciate yes. the honesty. We know that we fall in that trap sometimes. Um, and I think today we've been pretty good till the end here, though. Um, yeah. But please continue to listen and definitely skip through the chit chat. Um, and thank you for your uh, constructive um, feedback. Yes. So I guess it's my turn for Of the People by the People. Mm-hmm. Okay. So mine comes to us from um, one of our new followers on Twitter, United Irishman. And he just said, greetings from Ireland. I've been listening to your podcast the past couple of weeks, and they are brilliant. Even though I'm Irish, Lincoln is my hero, and I found your podcast so insightful and entertaining. Dude, that's awesome. That's odd. Yeah, that made my day when I saw that. So I asked him what got him into Lincoln. And he said, I got interested in the 2008 elections and I started reading up on presidents. I then made a trip to Washington in 2011 and was blown away by the Lincoln Memorial. I started reading more on Lincoln and his greatness and genius shone out. And then he said he went to Canada in 2016 and stopped in Chicago. Oh, oh yeah. cool. That's really awesome. Yeah, that is very, very cool. Um, yeah, and 
I was in Ireland in 2016, so oh. how about that? Yeah. Um, and if you haven't rated us yet, go do that. Put it on pause and rate us. Five stars and say whatever you want then. Yeah, so, uh, and just real, I don't know if this is related or not, with Ireland and Irish Americans and whatever else, but of course this episode does drop on November 22nd, which is, of course, a date that many history folks know, so think a little bit about uh, one of our other favorite presidents, John Kennedy, and the sacrifice that his family made on November 22nd uh, for our country, so... um, I guess I don't know. If, yeah, well, I guess we can leave that actually, show. Actually, actually, our and the second part to this is going to involve somebody Irish. Yeah, like well. literally Irish, not yeah. like not yeah, like liter- fake literally American born Irish, in yeah. Ireland. Literally born in Ireland. It's going to involve somebody literally born in Ireland. I like that a little teaser, a little teaser yeah. for the second yeah. part of this episode. Yeah. So yeah, the, the 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 Irishman is involved in quite a bit of it actually. So. So thank you all for listening again this week. Uh, before we hopped on, we were actually chatting for some episode ideas. So we do have some really good content here to finish out 2019 and get into 2020. Got some guests coming up uh, that I think we're, well, we're really excited about. Hopefully you'll enjoy as well. Um, got some more Lincoln-centered uh, episodes as well. Uh, so, of course, keep that focus, too. Uh, we might talk a little bit of impeachment stuff with Andrew Johnson and, you know, lots of different stuff coming your way that we're really excited about. So, uh, once again, have a very happy Thanksgiving. And, uh, Mary or Nick, did you have any parting thoughts before we sign off? Even though I'm Canadian, I'm going to wish all the rail splitters a happy Thanksgiving because even though I'm Canadian, I celebrate American Thanksgiving every year. So, happy right. Thanksgiving, rail splitters. Y'all yes. rock. And I'm thankful for all you listeners, Rail Split Nation for life. All right. Rail Split Nation for life, we're thankful for you. So thanks again for tuning in. We will see you very soon. And just a quick reminder to keep walking the world with malice toward none and charity for all. Peace. <laughs>